Hi, I'm Christy Uden, CEO at the Board of Certified Safety Professionals. When you think of a safety professional, what comes to mind? Maybe someone holding a clipboard, telling their coworkers what they're doing wrong? That image is common, but narrowly characterizes the fundamental role of a safety professional. Safety professionals play a critical role in the company's culture, making it a place where people want to work. They help us see the impact of the safe workplace and think of safety as something we want, not just something we need. Join me as we take a dive into the many facets of what safety professionals really do and the impact they have for their organizations. This is Safety on Location. Well, welcome to the first episode of Safety on Location. My name is Charlie Eltringham, and I'm the Director of Brand Innovation here at BCSP, and I'm joined by our CEO, Christy Uden. Hi, Christy. Hi, Charlie. Well, we we went to Paramount Studios in Los Angeles, in Hollywood. You know, the Hollywood sign was there in the background, and it, uh, it was a, a real interesting environment, especially when you think of safety. It might not be a place that you normally think of when it comes to safety. I, you know, I, I kind of felt like there was some, some magic there on the lot. Yeah, I you know, I did too. One of one of my takeaways was that when you go to a studio like that, you don't think about everything that's in place to keep the people on the lot safe, not just the people that are working on the lot, but also you and I walking around the lot. Um so I it was just an interesting perspective in that regard instead of going there for a tour and safety is just part of me, part of you being there without you thinking about it. So it, it was nice to come come to it from that perspective. Yeah. And this interview with Jason Townsell, their their vice president of, of EHS was, you know, to me eye-opening. I'm not a safety professional, but to talk to someone like Jason who has been in the industry for a long time and he's worked in a lot of different industries within within safety. Um, that that was a really interesting perspective to get. So he was, you know, he was a, a very interesting subject to to take us around the lot and and show us how they do things. I agree, and you know, this, the thing with safety is that you know mitigating risks goes across so many different industries, and thinking about it from an entertainment industry isn't something that most people probably think of. And, you know, myself included, before I got into safety, I, I didn't really, I thought of more construction and manufacturing, um, you know, OSHA regulations. And although that's all part of it, having that perspective of what Jason does and the safety culture that he's building is true in any industry. It, it's taking those same principles and really applying it to wherever you're at to, to help your workers, you know come home at night, right? And everybody on the lot, and it's a lot to think about, but building that culture is really what what it's about. Yeah, and I I think one of the first things I noticed when we started to walk around the lot was all the different sounds. And if you didn't know you were on a a studio lot, a film studio lot, you would have thought you're on a construction site because you hear, you know, forklifts moving around, you hear, saws and heavy equipment in the background as they're building sets and, and hammers and those types of things, you know, and so it's, it's, it wasn't 
exactly what I thought I would hear when I when I walk onto a movie studio lot. So that was interesting. Yeah, I was expecting to, you know, see people like Brad Pitt walking around and, and hearing famous voices, you know, and, and celebrities everywhere. But you're absolutely right. It was it was a lot of what you hear on any construction site or set where they're they're working to build or, or tear things down. Yeah. So we hope you enjoy this first episode of Safety on Location. Uh, it was very fun for us to get on site and, and actually see what some of our safety professionals do. So here's our interview with Jason Townsell at Paramount Studios. My name is Jason Townsell. I'm the Vice President of Environmental Health and Safety here at Paramount Studios. So today we're at the Paramount lot. We've got a full team, over 200 facilities folks here. Carpenters, painters, laborers, plumbers, any kind of trade you can think of, we've got here full time. So it's managing those exposures and getting ahead of those as much as we can. Well, that's interesting because I was wondering just like in the entertainment industry yeah. in general, a lot of people don't think about safety, Yeah. right? You, know, you think, like you said, construction and what you've learned and you know, in that industry and how that actually applies yeah. to all these other industries. Right. What made you think about entertainment? Was it yeah. an opportunity? Yeah, actually what happened was, is I was working for an engineering firm. We had spent a couple of years really refining and critiquing our management systems in preparation uh, for a very large industry award. Because I learned a lot and understand a lot in regard to management systems that I think a lot of people who do what we do don't. So. After we got the award, I was kind of like, yeah, I'm looking for a change. And so it was very timely. I knew someone through uh, the ASSP who worked at Netflix, who was looking for someone with my capability. Netflix was in the midst of scaling quite a bit in, in their real estate footprint. So needed someone who understood construction and understood how to build things and, and all that stuff. So it wasn't a complete change it was a change in industry but as far as what i was doing they were kind of taking what i knew and trying to bring it here from a design and construction perspective i came in, in the entertainment industry with that outlook so marrying a more um traditional approach which is what i've had with um the way things are typically looked at has i wouldn't say it's a challenge it's been an experience yeah. um i guess it's been a challenge challenges are good right they make us grow <laughs> right um so yeah that's kind of how i got here Wow. So it's a lot of communication, like the communication yeah. style had to change. and Exactly. T to your point, communication for me, I've learned that you communicate best when you meet people where they're at and you talk to them about things that matter to them or things that they understand. Understanding the work made it easier for me to manage safety with the folks who are doing the work because I understood what they were trying to accomplish. I understood what their production goals were. I understood what their budget constraints were. Um, so I learned how to meet them where they're at and get them to where they needed to be. In talking with these folks, if I'm just talking from a compliance perspective or talking down to or pontificating, it doesn't work, right? Engaging in conversation, understanding what their goals are, what, what are their objectives, especially in, a, in the entertainment world where, I mean, it's not that folks don't care about being safe. That's not what I, at all. It's more so we've got this project we need to get done. And it, this is where it's at. Understanding what they're trying to get done, integrating what I would like to get done with that so that we all go along the path together is how stuff gets done. As we begin to walk through the studio lot, 
we came across a set that reminded me of a neighborhood of brownstone-style homes that you might find in a bustling city like New York or Philadelphia. I'm sure many television and movie scenes have been filmed at this location. During our stroll through the set, we began to discuss some of the current evolutions of the safety industry, specifically psychological safety and the effects of COVID. It seems like there's been a lot lately just in kind of the evolution of safety. And I wonder about that from your perspective, just in thinking about psychological safety yeah. and DE&I. Yep. And so there's a lot of discussion around that now. Have you seen a huge shift in the way safety is being approached? I mean, it sounds like you're doing a lot of this now, but yeah. just in general within the industry itself. And I think kind of the overarching sentiment that's happening is people need to be um, treated as people, as individuals, with individual values and individual wants and objectives out of their work. And so ultimately, it really goes back to treating people how, um, not, not just how you want to be treated, how they would want to be treated, right? So that's what really DE&I is from a occupational safety and health perspective and from a psychological safety perspective. With my team, Psychological safety and trust is by far the biggest thing that I try to establish because if folks don't trust uh, each other, me or each other across the team, and they don't believe in what we're doing and they don't feel safe to be vulnerable, we're not gonna get stuff done. And then that matriculates to the folks that we manage, right? Like if we um, don't establish that, establish relationship, establish value, how do we get stuff done? It is interesting and in just thinking about the profession itself and how people get into it. I know you mentioned sometimes that a lot of people get into safety by accident, right, right? Right. But just thinking through that and as you're working here at Paramount, do you see that more people have a better understanding of how safety is ingrained? Like the culture's changing? Yeah, it's a really good question. I really, I, I wish I could say I do, but there's a lot of work to be done. It, it's not inherent that folks comprehensively understand that safely doing what they are doing needs to be integrated into what they do, if that makes any sense. There's still a lot of, I gotta get the job done. So the culture of safety has to be integrated into everything else that's important, right? So if we're gonna start a project and if it's related to filming a scene or some type of rehab to a building or a set or whatever it may be, integrating, completing that task safely into those overall goals. If that's not done, then, then we're always playing from behind. We're always talking about, well, hey, we had X amount of incidents or we had X amount of events and it's after the fact. We never talked about incident prevention. We never talked about um, being proactive prior to. So why would we expect that to happen, right? Culture is fluid and culture is the things that we value and we talk about. So if we don't value, if we don't talk about it, we don't value it. So why would it be a part of what folks care about? But there's things we can do better. There's things that I can do better at Paramount, right? It's integrating metrics, integrating uh, safe performance, integrating health and wellness into everything uh, that we talk about. Because when we talk about it, then we're going to do it. I was wondering with COVID and just some of the unique challenges yeah. in this industry in particular, because you have to have people, right? As you're filming, yeah. standing closer and communicating, yeah. what were some of the challenges you faced? Yeah, if you wanna um, look at something that's very unique to the entertainment world, 
um, the way that COVID was managed is by far the most unique thing that is not comparable to other industries. So um, we have this thing called the return to work agreement. So initially when COVID, oh, March of 2020, I think is the- the When it kind when of it really hit, hit yeah, the world changed, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, filming stopped, production stopped, the whole world stopped, right? And so getting to the point of how they came back to work, the return to work agreement is the, what, you know, what became the working product that was a negotiation between the unions and the, the guilds and everybody came and said, this is what we're going to do. So it resulted and and it's actually still in effect today. That's why you'll see some folks with masks on because they're required to wear them per oh. the return to work agreement. Um, so the return date broke it into uh, to four zones, zone A, zone B, zone C, uh, C and zone D with uh, uh, de-escalating measures at, at each level because zone D would be um, folks who wouldn't be the talent. So the way you and I are standing right now being filmed, we'd be zone A, which means um, we'd have a much more rigorous requirement related to testing, um, related to um, vaccination requirements, all that stuff. So the entertainment industry did a very good job, in my opinion, with getting back to work. There are different testing requirements for zone A. They were tested almost daily um, oh, at man. one point. Um, everybody else on a set. Obviously, if you and I are filming and we're in zone A, we can't wear a mask. Everyone else wore a mask. Um, a lot of work got done. I mean, yeah. we felt we filmed Top Gun, right? Really? Yeah. That was all during, I yeah. didn't realize yeah. So that. You, anything you see that's coming out around now was likely filmed during COVID. Um, the entertainment world kept going um, safely. So that has psychologically done some things though, right? Like when you are wearing a mask every day, all the time. Um, and I just use a massive example just because that's different than maybe your normal, normal. working outfit, yeah. right? Um, psychologically, it's just going to make things feel different. So what I tell folks all the time whenever I'm asked about COVID is, um, oh, we're coming out of COVID, we're going back to work, back to the world. And it's like, well, this is a new world now. We can, whenever you say back to work, it's, I get it. Um, but the reality is we're, we're coming out of this and there's a whole lot of things that have changed but you can't film remotely. Right. right, I mean, that would be some of the unique challenge, right? Because yeah. all the different people that have played a part in that, that aren't just the actors. Yeah, like no, have... 100%, yeah, from film crews to, uh, you know, the, the whole operation, right? Think craft services, uh, think food services, think transportation. So there are requirements related to sanitation of uh, vehicles. Take, for example, let's say there's a eight passenger van that used to transport talent to and from the set. Um, the return to work agreement would require that only four people could be in that van. So it really changed. There's shields, um, you know, the clear shields that were up and, and there's a lot that went into it. Everybody's got hand sanitizer. Everybody's being tested. Um, the initial requirements required PCR testing. Rapids weren't allowed to be used. And so um, it, it was a significant change in the way things got done. Um, significant cost differences. As Jason explained more about what safety looks like on a studio lot, he described the daily operations in greater detail. In the mind of the average viewer, film or TV production probably consists of lights, cameras, actors, and a crew. But there's so much more that goes into producing the shows and movies we watch on a regular basis. And all of these moving pieces present hazards that Jason and his team need to be aware of. Another thing that's very unique that you don't see in a whole lot of other industries, think about building a set in a soundstage and then striking that set, which basically means tearing it down. And then building another set 
either with the same production or another production that's coming in and using the same stage. It's constant building and demolishing consistently. So getting the mindset of the folks doing the work to understand that this is a consistent hazard all the time. We're striking, we're tearing down. Now in a traditional construction environment, demo and construction are often done pretty um, separately, uh, not, not just physically separately, but from a time perspective, right? You know, you've, if I'm demoing a structure and I'm building a new one, I'm gonna, the demo crew's gonna come in and do their thing. And then at a later date, then we start with all the, the building trades coming in and doing their thing. Well, when you're building a set, it's different, right? You may have your strike team and your carpentry team in on the same day. So that creates different challenges. Like here's a good example. So you've got like this carpentry that's happening here. They're going up. That set is different than it was last week. And it's probably gonna be a different set next week. So you'll have a production come in and maybe they're on two or three stages. And so maybe one set stays for um, an extended period of time, but maybe they just need to get a scene in. I, I, I've been on projects where we've built massive water tanks um, that were meant for one scene. A significant amount of time, money, and energy goes into building this thing. Director gets a shot they want, then they tear it out and they get rid of it. Um, and that all turns into the final product, which, which is what we get to see in our screens. Uh, what goes into it though is a lot of work. It seems like it has to be quick. It has so to be quick. So there's also that aspect of how do you do something quick and safe yes, and, and absolutely. meet your deadline. So to your point about it, it has to be quick. Injuries are costly in a lot of different areas, right? It costs money, it costs time, it costs, you know, to the individual individual's family, there's a lot of different costs that can be unaccounted for. If someone gets hurt while they're building a set or striking a set, everything stops. Yeah. And so that to that production company, to those executives who are trying to um, explain or, or trying to make that schedule, well, we had to stop for three days because someone hurt, you know, got hurt, whatever that hurt is, be it, you know, a musculoskeletal injury, be it a, a cut, a puncture, whatever it may be, either way, the, everything stops and we manage it. And so to that production exec, they don't want people to get hurt. That's not what I'm saying, but ultimately they want their project to get done. Right. So how do we integrate it in? We turn it into a win-win. Listen, if we work safely, you get what you want, we get what we want, and your crew gets what they want. Nobody wants to get hurt. So it's about really understanding what the end goal is and making sure that we're all approaching that goal the same way. You know, we've we started some courses in leadership so people can have that communication, like yeah. you said, that's so important. But in talking with executives, do yeah. you find like that was something that just over time you had to learn, I have to, have to speak a little differently. Absolutely, right? yeah, it's so funny to say that. I learned it by accident. And you hear what what's really valued. And usually, and I learned this in construction. Let's, call, let's say it's a progress meeting. Because there's there's culture, which is who we really are, and there's, there's culture, which is who we're supposed to be, right? Yeah. So every meeting starts with safety because safety first, because that's like the big thing that everybody says. And then, but really what you get is you get five minutes and you have every project manager and project director looking at you like, we have an hour. Hurry up. Hurry. Well, yeah, you know what I mean? You've got so, five minutes. Yeah, you have five minutes. And if you go over your five, our ears turn off and we really start giving you looks that you don't want. So in those meetings, I started learning what they care about. They care about schedule. They care about budget. It's not that they don't care about safety, but nobody gets paid for safety. So over time, I just learned I need to integrate what we 
what needs to happen from my perspective into what needs to happen from their perspective. So this became very clear and the research was very easy to show folks when people get hurt, this is the downtime, this is the cost, this is the initial cost, Here, this is the residual cost related to you know insurance uh, increases, so on and so forth. And all of a sudden it starts making sense. So I had to stop the way I presented it. The information was the same, the value, the sentiment was the same, but the way that I, I explained it was very different. So now I've learned to get folks to listen. So now I can have more than five minutes if I want it. But once people are listening, you don't need more than five minutes. So yeah, that's one in a production environment. Schedule is very important, critically important. Getting folks to understand, hey, if we strike unsafely, if we have folks just throwing stuff around and getting poked by nails and not wearing their gloves and not wearing their safety glasses, this is what happens. Then it becomes very easy because then they manage that themselves within the production right. and it makes life a lot easier. I think what's interesting in some of what you're just talking about at Paramount specifically is that, you know, safety's in everything. Yep. But the point that this is really interesting. So when people think of Paramount Studios, you know, it's it's exciting what you see, what you're involved in. Yep. And what's so unique to me that people may not think about is really you you kind of touch all of this. You get to touch all of yeah. this. No, you're right. It, it's, you know, you get to... I get to do what I love is for, from my career perspective, but I also get to be a part of, of a lot of other really cool stuff that I never really thought about, right? With, with what we do. I spent a lot of my career in random locations because we were building big water uh, pipes or freeways, or I, I, I definitely prefer the Paramount lot. So is there a lot of regulation in this industry? Well, yeah, yes and no. Like for example, uh, we're beholden to uh, the Air Resources Board here. We're beholden to OSHA. We're beholden to um, uh, the Air Quality Management District. So definitely a lot of compliance things that we need to be cognizant of. Uh, so the Occupational Safety and Health Act covers any workplace, so we're beholden to that. Now, above and beyond that, uh, there are um, work-related requirements, say um, different unions, depending upon who works for what union, right? Understanding um, what folks are supposed to do. So something that I've done with my team is we've, draft, we've drafted a legal compliance register as well as a risk register. So the legal compliance register says, what are we legally required to do? And then the risk registers above and beyond that from a policy perspective, what do we do? What, what, what do we need to make sure happens here uh, to not only make sure that we are abiding with the law, but hopefully when you abide with the law, you create a safe workplace. Now there, in my opinion, there are exceptions to that. There's times where the uh, complying with regulation can be more cumbersome and therefore reduce efficiency. I believe that reducing efficiency makes for an, uh, a workplace that's not as safe at times. Um, you know, there's, there's always variables, but efficiency is key. Efficiency is a big deal. It's something I'm always trying to push and, and stress. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, right? If I'm talking to a production executive I need to be able to speak in the language of efficiency and getting things done safely on time and on budget, right? That's the language. So um, efficiency is a huge part of that. Sometimes we're asked to do things that are so cumbersome, or maybe we have regulatory bodies that we're beholden to, but they're saying different things. COVID's a good example of that. You know, you've got the CDC saying something, the Department of Health saying something, we've got the uh, County Health Department saying something. They don't always say the same thing. Right. So what do we do, right? Um, 
We do the best we can do to make sure we're safe. We make sure that we go above and beyond where we feel like it's important. And when I say where we feel, we're not just arbitrarily choosing these things. We've got legal input. We've got um, uh, medical input. We've got doctors um, on staff that help us lead to make sure we're doing the right thing. You know, you're managing, you said hospital, right? You have the medical units, you have just public safety because you have people coming through with tours. Yeah. And so it's all part of the safety management system. Absolutely, yeah, yeah that's a really good point. We've got our own fire uh, safety team. We've got fire trucks. In fact, we are completely self-sustaining from an emergency perspective here uh, to where with the um, LA County Fire Department, we're, we're a site that they know if something happens and there's a need to shut stuff down, we're able to completely self-envelope here for two weeks um, with, because of all the food. And you've seen some of the food yeah. around, right? So you've got um, like our on-site restaurant. We also have an on-site cafeteria type. And we have all the productions that have their own things going on. Like you've seen some of those that we walk by. Yeah. So, you know, let's say there's a earthquake or some, uh, some kind of disaster that requires us to stay. All the food gets thrown in and everybody gets fed. Um, but yeah, we're, we're self-sustaining completely, which is um, go, from a maintenance perspective, that that's a challenge, right? How do you make sure your emergency kits are up to date all the time? Well, you have to be diligent about it. You got to focus on it. You have, you get what you focus on. And going back to communication. So what happens if one of my work partners doesn't do their job well, or if I don't do my job well? Do I critique that person? Do I call that person out? No, I come alongside them. and. Hopefully they come alongside me. We pick each other up because the show has to go on. Those right. tourists need to have their tour. Um, the landscape folks need to be able to do what they do. Um, you know, the, the food service people need to do what they do. So how do we do it? We pick up, we drive on, we get better. All right. It's not you going around with the clipboard. No, saying, not at all. Here's what. That's the traditional way. Like I remember we used to say this thing, safety by walking around. But safety by walking around ended up being walking around with the clipboard and doing a checklist. And it's not that checklists aren't appropriate at times if I'm doing a formal inspection or a formal audit somewhere. Um, but no, it's really walking around and connecting with people. I make it a point to walk the lot every day. During our time on the Paramount lot, Jason pointed out a variety of historical locations and props from well-known movies. He showed us Elvis Presley's apartment, vehicles used in the Transformer movies, and then a park bench where some memorable movie lines were captured on film. We took a seat and learned more about why Jason does what he does. Where are we going, Jason? Are we walking to somewhere specific? Yeah, so we'll, we'll go over to Marathon Park here. and You'll actually see pretty cool with the, uh, so what a normal park bench looks like and then what Forrest Gump's park, oh, park yeah, bench looks like. Oh yeah, you can see a difference yeah, here. Yeah, Hello, my name's Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always said, life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. And why is it different like that? So, you know, part of Forrest, his uh, character, he was, you know, he was always upright and he was always very formal. And, you know, like, even yes. if you remember the scene I can on the sit, bed. right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah even he was, he was, upright and, and very, you know, yeah, but very I think he sat like here. this the whole time. And so that was, that was part of the effect that, you know, they were trying to get done. Pretty cool. I feel like I'm going to have really good posture. But yeah, this is how you should here. sit all the time, right? <laughs> so Jason, what, why do you care so much about safety? I mean, there's a why for everybody, yeah, right? Sure, What's sure. your why? Um, I care about safety, but I wouldn't say that I care so much about safety as much as I would say I care about people. I really value people and what what makes people tick and what do they value and how do I increase 
their value, right? Like at the end of the day, to make their life better. I recently uh, was interviewed for someone doing a, um, a, a leadership study for, for her MBA. And she said, well, how do you know if you've done a good job? It, which is a really good question. And my answer to after thinking about it was two things. If the people who I lead become leaders, I think that that's one sign, but also if their life is better for having known me, I've, I've done a good job. So um, I really, I like people. And that, it started from a very young age with me. Whenever people were sad, it made me sad, if that makes any sense. So professionally, I mentioned earlier how safety was kind of an accident as far as how I found it. I don't think there's a lot of accidents in our lives as far as what we become, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there's, probably, there's definitely exceptions to that, but I think I would naturally gravitate to something that involved being involved with people and interacting with people and enhancing people the best way I could. You know, I, I lead a nonprofit organization that um, brings, builds water infrastructure. Um, currently, we're in Nigeria, West Africa. Maybe at some point we'll go beyond that. But um, it all began with my friend visiting my friend in Nigeria and him not having running water and me just feeling like that was oh, completely wow. unacceptable. Yeah. yeah. I remember flying home and just feeling moved like I ha we have to do something. I'm not a water engineer. I don't know. I'm not a geologist. So we drill deep, well, deep water wells. Um, so I didn't know how to do it, but I knew I had to do it. We found local geologists who understood the topography of what we, of where we were drilling and what we were trying. We found folks who knew how to do survey. It was actually a lot cheaper. My initial idea was we're going to buy a drill and do all that. Well, that that's hard to do. <laughs> And, and so it'd be, it ended up being like a double, uh, like a double whammy because not only did we, did we bring water, but we were able to um, stimulate the local economy because we hired locals to do all the oh, work. Oh, that, yeah. You mentioned something with communication, resources, and something that piqued my interest was just that in this career, you, you have impact. And in so many people now yeah. in the generation coming up, they want purpose. Yeah, absolutely. They want impact. Yeah. And so... This profession has really yeah. given that to you. Oh, I love that point. And yeah, you're so right. That that's that's very insightful. Yeah, hundred percent. What it is though is what we do can also be monotonous at times and frustrating. And if we focus on the monotony and we don't take that thirty thousand foot view to look at the impact, we'll lose the value based on the stuff that is really monotonous and boring. It, it's it's kind of like you know going to school. If you want the grade, you have to read the book. Reading the book's not not the exciting part. But what you learn is the exciting part. But in order to get and to what you learn, you gotta read the book. What better purpose is there in the world than to take people along the journey to get to where they wanna go? There's nothing yes. better. And getting hurt or sick or unwell in any other way is an impediment to where people wanna go. Nobody wants to it's get a, sick or get hurt. So right. let's take that out of the way so you can get to where you're going. What would you tell any like individuals or youth looking to get into a profession um, just about safety profession in general and why they should consider this profession. Yeah, I would say like for me, I'm 20 years into my career now. I would encourage if you want a career that can have a lot of variability in the places you go, the things you do, the people mm -hmm. you see, the people you talk to and have a good amount of impact. It's a great career choice. And it's so broad, right? I can work on a construction project. I can work at the Paramount lot. I can work for Apple. I can work for NASA. I can work for American Airlines. I mean, if you think about it, every industry in the world should have what we do, right? I can work in oil and gas. Yeah, so it, it's a really cool, exciting, variable career, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's like you're saying, because so many times you think of a career as being, you know, more singular, right? You go there, you do the same job, and, and you stay there. And 
you don't think about how it can yeah. apply. Yeah. Uh, so I like what you said. You've been, you know, paramount. You can go to construction. You can go to oil yeah. and gas because the principles it's the same. are the same. People right. are people. The principles fall. No, 100%. So <laughs> what I learned on this construction site may help me on that film set. What I learned on that film set may help me on that oil platform because people are people. Yes, the conditions and the things that they're facing overtly may be different, but inside people are people. Right. So do you have, you know, just talking through a little bit of certification, I know yep. you're a CSP. Yep. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what getting credentialed has done for you? Oh yeah. In your profession? Absolutely, yeah, it, it's, it's been huge for me. So I started off with my first credential with the BCSP. Well, actually it was CHES back then. Um, it was the CHST. This, yeah. Yep. I got in CHST construction and construction health and safety technician. That was in 2008. Um, and then I got the OHST in, in 2010, I want to say. So that was when I was more at the more heavily at, at the field level, if that makes sense. So a, a technician certification really is what I needed to validate. So that, that's what I look, how I look at certification. It's a validation of where you stand as a professional. Um, it doesn't mean you can't be a good professional without certification, but you can't be certified unless you've met a certain um, uh, criteria. It's not just the test, but it's it's the background and it's uh, the criteria it takes just to take the test to, to, to get to the point of being certified. Then I got, I got the CSP in 2011 and that was, for me, that was a career turning point. I, I, that's what I really moved more into management and strategic planning versus being more tactical as a safety professional. Um, now, anybody who's in management, who's on my team, if you don't have a CSP, you, for what I want to do from a manage, management perspective, you have not achieved the places in your career that I would like you to achieve in order to go where I would like to go strategically. Um, it, to me, it says a lot about the individual. You've been able to, to meet a certain standard, but really it's more it's a journey. It, it's it's a milepost. It's a big milepost on a journey that says that you take your career seriously and you really want to go somewhere. People don't get their CSPs unless they are committed to the safety profession, right? It's not something that happens very easily. Uh, I also got my STS after later on. Um, I was working for an organization who we were really, really trying to get our field leaders um, to get STS certified. And so as part of that, we had all of our senior safety folks get STS certified just to show the value of it. Oh, nice. I was um, gonna say, cause usually the progression's the opposite, opposite right? Way, yeah. What, what we were trying to do was to get the field to value certification. And what's the best way to do it? Um, do it yourself, right? Right. If you can't be the example of what you're asking other people to do, then why should they do it? Um, and I, that, that's just a personal philosophy of mine in general be an example. If I'm going to ask someone to do something, I need to be willing to do it myself or have done it myself. Um, and if I don't, then why am I asking other people to do it? Mm -hmm. So uh, certification is huge. Um, I, 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 it, it's a validation of your professional capabilities, but I also see it as a validation of your personal drive as, as to what you want. Um, if someone's been in the, the, the industry for a long time and they haven't gone, I want to know why. Why haven't you done that? Um, and there's other options. Some people don't have undergraduate degrees. Okay, well, there's other options that the BCSP offers to show that you are building your career and you are you value certification. So it's a big deal to me. So were you encouraged in your profession to get credentialed? Yes, I was, but not by any 
exterior person. I just knew that the jobs that I wanted, the people who had them all had CSPs. So I kind of put two and two together and said, I should probably get the CSP. And so um, I think that it, it's really interesting. There was definitely a disconnect, I think, educationally for me at the time between getting my degree and then realizing that that degree is cool, but the CSP is the professional validation I need, right? And yeah. so, but I figured out pretty quickly that um, if I wanna go where I wanna go, which is you, you can't influence change as much as I would like to um, at the field level, as much you can. You can influence the people that you're managing or dealing with directly, locally, but I wanted to do it at a much broader level or a much more macro level. In order to do that, I had to have CSP because that's what those people had. Um, I actually worked for someone at one point who would not hire any. And so that's kind of where I have adopted my take on management. You should have a CSP if you want to be in management and safety and work for me. But that's just how I value it. Going back to a question you asked earlier about motivation for someone who's coming up and looking at a career. If you want to affect change with your life, I don't think there's a better way to do it professionally than what we do. So there was our, our time we spent with Jason and, and the team at, at Paramount Studios. And uh, I think one of my big takeaways was how Jason really focuses on people skills and relationships to, to help him effectively build a safety culture. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I felt very comfortable um, talking to Jason from the get-go. And he you can tell that he cares about what he does. And he cares about not just the people themselves, but helping the people understand the culture and care about the other people that they're working with. And I, I think, you know, he, he talked about his, you know, the certifications he has through BCSP and he's, he has several, but uh, he really hit on the, how they were a credibility builder for him. And now as he's a hiring manager, how he looks for those and that's, a sign to him that that someone is serious about safety that that they're in it for the right reasons so it was interesting to hear him as a, a certificate explain what what it means to him and now that he's hiring certificates the importance of it exactly it's such a growth opportunity for employees and and jason recognizes that and he's done it i think one thing that he said too is that doing it himself it's much easier to ask somebody else to do it because you're you know what it takes to get a certification it's not necessarily easy and it means something it validates the knowledge that you have and that's important in this industry so i like that he takes it upon himself to go out and do the work and then as he promotes it he knows what it's like he knows what they're experiencing so i also want to mention that there is a a companion video piece to this episode that you can find in the description of the episode. So there's actually an interview with Jason and you can actually visually see some of the, the things that he and his team do from a, a safety perspective on the studio lot. So please check that out. If, if this episode interested you at all, I, I think you'll find uh, a, a lot of value in, in watching that video. Um, but for our first episode, I'd, I don't know if it could have gone any better. It was great. And I, I really thank Jason for his time and taking us around the lot. It was a great experience. And um, 
He's just a wonderful person and safety professional. So I, I commend him for all the great work that he's doing. So that's it for the first episode. Uh, I think we couldn't have chosen a, a better group for us to highlight for this first episode. So until episode two, Christy, stay, stay safe. safe. Safety on Location is a podcast from BCSP with your host, BCSP CEO, Christy Uden. Executive produced by Charlie Eltringham. Produced and edited by Michael Escobedo. Audio engineering by Jesse Gray and Giachi Liu. And editorial support from Tyson Matthews. If you liked this episode, subscribe to receive new episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.